Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Wilson West. Uh, I am the new curate here. My wife, Callie, and son, Harry, and I just moved here about a couple of months ago. Really excited to get to be up here today and continue on our sermon series. We have been, for the last few weeks, just looking at these 10 verses in the book of Ephesians, right at the very end, that are all about spiritual warfare. And today we're just looking at one verse on prayer. We're going to look at verse 18. So if you've got your Bibles... um, Uh, Let's look back at that verse and just refresh what it says. It says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're looking at prayer today, and I will say, in in the last couple of weeks just preparing for this sermon, I have felt more kind of spiritual resistance than I think I've ever felt preparing for a sermon before. Um, And I would hazard a guess as to to why that may be the case. I would guess it's because the enemy hates prayer and is terrified of it. Because when we pray, God does things. The enemy's worst nightmare, he couldn't keep Jesus in the grave already, so his worst nightmare is for you as a Christian to experience some joy and peace in believing. And that's what I'm going to try and offer you today through prayer. Because when we pray, what we've got on the other line is the living God. All of his truth, all of his power, his energy for you. His open hand of grace for you. God God works extremely powerfully through our prayers, feeble as they may be. And so we we have got to press into prayer. And those are the two things we're going to look at today. We'll just ask two questions. First, how does God work in our praying? And then second, how do we press into prayer? How does God work, and then how do we press into it? So first, how does God work in our praying? We'll never feel the need or the motivation to pray unless we understand this first. So, how does God work? First thing we can kind of learn is just by looking at our context, okay? Remember, we are in this section in Ephesians about spiritual war. And so, if Paul tells us to pray in this context, it must, have, it must have some direct connection to the spiritual war. And just a quick review of, of what we've looked like at so far in this series, Paul began by, uh, by opening our eyes to the reality of spiritual conflict. And then he moved on to, to tell us to stand and be strong in the middle of the spiritual war. He gave us all the armor of God, what Jay preached about last week. And then he says, as kind of a crescendo to his entire argument, to pray. Why? Because it's vital. Because through prayer, God gives us spiritual revitalization. When you pray, God revitalizes your spirit, and without that, we will wilt under the deadening effects of spiritual war. Because remember, right, what spiritual war is. It's the, it's the world, the flesh, and the devil constantly working against us. Whether it's in a, in a particular season of spiritual war, like we have discerned that this church and churches in our area are going through, or whether it's just the ordinary day-to-day nature of of being in spiritual battle, right? So living in the world constantly pulls our heart in different directions to try and run after things that God created and not God himself. The natural trajectory of the human heart will be to turn our love away from God and onto other things. Or the flesh, sin hardens our heart. It makes us feel cold and distant from God or the devil. The Bible calls Satan and the devil a liar and an accuser. 
which means that he will call your relationship with God into question and try to cut your knees out from under you. But God, working through prayer, what we learn from, from the command to pray being in this passage is that God counteracts all of that directly. He revitalizes our spirit. He mends our divided hearts from living in the world back to unified devotion to him. He cleanses us from our sin when we confess. And he assures us with his presence. So just from my own experience and having bouts of spiritual depression, the quickest way, the best way for me to come out of that is if I can manage to go deeply in prayer and sit in the presence of God. There are no words that go back and forth almost. It's just his presence. And that assures us. George Herbert, that, uh, that great poet from the 1600s, once wrote that prayer is the soul's blood, the land of spices, something understood. I wonder if you've experienced God revitalizing your spirit in prayer, because we need it every day. But not only does God revitalize our, our own kind of personal spirits, but like, let's just get practical. When we pray for concrete and specific things, God answers prayer. God actually acts differently. This is the line we use in, in this church. God acts differently because we pray. Uh, and I straight up did not believe that for most of my life. I think I would have said it's important to pray and we should and all that kind of stuff, but you can get kind of caught up in a theoretical knot about God being sovereign and he knows all things and he has his plan, and then all of a sudden you kind of think, well, what does it, what does it matter if I pray? Like God's going to do what he's going to do. But honestly, the Bible just talks about prayer a lot more practically than that, for one. And then secondly, like, what have we learned as a church? Uh, it's actually, it's very humbly, uh, uh, humbling and honestly pretty intimidating to talk to this church about prayer. Because uh, this church prays and has been in a, a long season of deep and intense prayer. What, we, what this church has seen, though, is that prayer works. I was actually just talking with Aubrey last week, and he said very clearly, if the church did not pray, I would have died from COVID. Because the church prayed, God saved my life. And I, I believe that. I believe that's true. Um, God acts differently when we pray. Archbishop William Temple once said that, uh, he said, I notice that when I'm praying, just having a praying life, that coincidences seem to happen a lot. And when I stop praying, the coincidences stop. And that's a great insight for two reasons. One, when we're in prayer, in, a, in kind of a life of prayer, we start to see the way that God works in the world. Like our, our spiritual eyes are open. But then secondly, just like we've been saying, when we pray, God listens to us. He responds and actually answers prayer. So that's all great, but as soon, as soon as you say God concretely answers prayers, immediately in my own head, I have the, the objection, what about unanswered prayer? What about when you have prayed for something very deeply and did not get the answer that you were praying for? Or what if you are in the middle of praying for something you've been praying for a long time and are getting weary? It's a quick road to discouragement. Honestly, the, the, the bigger and more desperate your ask is in prayer, the more painful it is when that, when that prayer is not answered as we asked for it. And what I'll say here is that, is that we've, we've got to remember the character of God. Remember our gospel reading. Jesus said, what, what father, if their son asks for a fish or an egg, is going to give them a snake or a scorpion? 
He's not saying everything we ask for automatically we'll get just because, just because we pray. But he is saying, he's saying a couple things. One, he is saying a lot of times God does give what we ask for. And we can't lose sight of that. We can't let that discourage us from prayer. But then secondly, on an even deeper level, what Jesus is saying in that, in that passage, what, he, what he's showing us as he, as he is always showing us throughout the Gospels is the Father's heart. God is for us. He is a good father. Remember, remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's crucified. Jesus knows full well what is going to happen the next day. He knows he's going to the cross. He's been talking about it his entire ministry. And yet he prays, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And God was silent. The cup didn't pass. Jesus went to the cross the next day. And yet... The father's heart was surely broken that Friday afternoon. Do you think for one second God stood far off from that prayer? No. The world went dark while the father grieved the death of his only son. See God grieving with you. See the heart of the father. We may have no idea why we've not gotten the answer that we so honestly prayed for, but it cannot be because God is standing far off and and is aloof and is kind of making calculated decisions about how things are going to work. No. See the Father grieving and also see this, the most crushing unanswered prayer that there was. Jesus in the garden led to the salvation of the world, the resurrection of the Son, and the beginning of all things being put right again. Lean back on the God's character and then pray again through the disappointment. You can pray your frustration. You can pray your confusion. The Psalms is, are, are full of that kind of stuff. Disappointment doesn't push the Christian away from prayer. It pushes us more deeply in. So prayer is indispensable. It's how God works in our lives. And so how do we, how do we kind of put this on? If you, if you don't let God revitalize your spirit, if you don't ask for specific things and watch and see how he's going to work, you'll be tossed around by the spiritual war. So do you wonder why like your, your spiritual life feels flat, or your love for God or for other people is cold, like why you feel burdened and exhausted all the time, or why that same sin keeps taking control and popping up even though you're ashamed of it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be simplistic here. I'm not saying that as soon as you pray, you don't sin anymore and you aren't exhausted and you feel great. No, of course I'm not saying that, but I am saying that without prayer, Without the life of God pouring into your life and work, the world, sin, and the enemy's lies will eat you up. They'll deaden your spirit. And they have us as God's people working in our own strength, which is, which is both exhausting and ineffective. So this is what's on offer. The living God on the other end of the line, access to all the riches of his life working in us and in our world. So now we've got to ask, how, how do we press into that? How do we make good on that? How do we dip our hands into those riches? How do we press into prayer? Let's read, uh, let's read verse 18 again. Paul says, pray, and then gives several details. Pray at all times, in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We don't have time to, to dive into each one of those characteristics, but what Paul is describing here is what it looks like 
not to just pray the occasional prayer off the cuff, but to press into prayer as a way of life, as a habit. This is a picture of prayer at work. This is a picture of, of a Christian laboring in prayer. And to, really, to really press into the practice of prayer is to pray with fidelity, faithfulness, and fervency. Like, I mean, all of you have probably experienced this. There are times when you want to pray and times when you long after God and it's easy. There are times when you do not want to pray and it is incredibly hard. But fidelity in prayer means keeping at it. It means praying with all perseverance, as Paul says. And I'll, I'll tell you, if, if, we, if we don't do that, what you'll find is that the times when we do truly want to pray, just naturally, will actually become less and less. It's kind of an account that continues to build as we persevere. But fidelity in prayer also means being faithful to each other. Like, we owe it to our brothers and sisters. We owe it to each other to pray for each other. If we believe that prayer works, then we owe it to each other to pray for one another, to pray for other churches, right? to pray for God's work in the world. So fidelity to prayer means both commitment to the practice of prayer and then commitment to each other. But then also pressing into prayer has to do with praying with fervency, all right, in the spirit, staying alert. It's, it's, it's actually fairly easy to check the box of prayer as kind of like a thing in the to-do list just to get done. It's hard to pray in the spirit. Look at Hannah in our Old Testament reading, right? Eli thought she was drunk. Really what she's doing is pouring out her spirit and her great anxiety before the Lord. That's what it looks like to pray in our spirit. But when we hear the phrase, pray in the spirit, like, there's no way to not think of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to learn what it looks like to dive headlong into that mystery of praying in the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gave us a new heart to begin with, a praying heart. The Holy Spirit helps us to mourn for sin. The Holy Spirit helps us long for God. And when we don't know how to pray, when we feel like we absolutely can't even utter a word in prayer, it is the Holy Spirit within us who is groaning deep, more deeply than words, to the Father. He, the Holy Spirit, is the connection between our open heart and prayer and God's open heart. We press into prayer by praying with fidelity and with fervency. Um, I, I tried to think of a story that would illustrate this, this really well, and honestly, only what kept coming back into my head was actually an image it's this picture that's kind of floating around in my, been floating around in my family for a long time of my nephew when he was about three years old. He's 20 now. But it's this picture of him uh, sitting at the table with his hands clasped together like this, and his eyes are open. He's just dead serious, kind of looking at the table. I have no idea what the context of that was, but that picture of all the pictures we have <laughs> out there has always stuck with me. Because you don't have to be eloquent to do this. You don't have to be a mature Christian. Honestly, you can be a child, and it's probably best if you're a child. It's about the heart. It's about the heart pressing into prayer. You can do this as a brand new Christian. You can do this, you can do this today. It's about the heart before God. So finally, let's just say a few words about how we get there. How do we get into this practice of prayer? How do, how do we get to where we are starting to build a rhythm of communing with God through prayer. I think the first thing we've got to say, just to be totally practical, is that our, our busyness and our hurry is 
killing us here. I think, I think a lot of us know that. I am included, and it continues to be a really hard thing to do. Honestly, I think that's just because it's going to be, hurry is just one of the great spiritual challenges of our age. That's the way it's going to be. We have to work against it. Don't get discouraged. You're not alone. But it does help to look at why busyness gets in the way it does. I think it's because deep down, we're not really sure that prayer does all that much in our lives. We're not really sure that prayer is all that productive. We think if we can, if we can knock out the to-do list, man, I love to finish the to-do list in a day. But if we can knock out the to-do list, if we can do something entertaining, that will be so much more satisfying than quieting our hearts and going to God in prayer. But that's like saying that uh, sharpening your chef's knife before cooking uh, is, is a waste of time and cooking a huge meal, right? No, you sharpen your knife before you cook, and then cooking is a lot more enjoyable. It works a lot better. Uh, it, the final result just ends up being better. So it is with prayer. Sh- sharpen the knife, so to speak, of prayer before going into your day and in the middle of the day when you're overwhelmed and at the end of the day when you think you don't have anything left. We can slip into thinking that we've really got the majority of our lives under control. Like, we'll pray for forgiveness of sin, because we know God's got to do that part. But the rest of my day, kind of the, the minute in and minute out, like, I, I can handle that. We might not say that out loud, but the way that we pray, I'm saying we here, betrays what we really think. We think we can handle it. And then we wonder why we're always exhausted and just feel heavy laden. Again, it doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be a full hour every time we sit down to pray. One of the most helpful practices that I've been trying to adopt and is super hard is noonday prayer. But if you pray the noonday service in our prayer book, it literally takes a couple of minutes. But it it is amazing what it will do to stop while you're in the middle of the thick of things and pray for just a couple of minutes. Because it starts to show you over time that it is not about me. My time is not my time. Jesus is Lord, and he has command over my life. It's crazy the way that five minutes of that will change your entire afternoon. So don't, don't let busyness take over. Prayer is the most productive thing you could do. Don't let the enemy tell you lies about your standing with God. Don't let him whisper in your ear, oh, you can't pray, you hypocrite. You've got no reason to go to the Father. He's angry at you. Okay, God's, God's hand is open towards you in grace. Press into prayer. Listen to the Holy Spirit who is crying like a child would, Abba, Father, for you. Prayer is the exalted manna, gladness of the best, heaven and ordinary, man well-dressed, the Milky Way, the bird of paradise, church bells beyond the stars heard, the soul's blood, the land of spices, something understood. Let's go before him now. Almighty God, we pour out our hearts to you. Lord, without you revitalizing us, we will, be, we will be deadened by all the pressures outside of us and within us that are working against us. Father, I, I, I pray for your grace now. I pray that whatever deep longings and requests may be in our hearts at this moment. Help us to speak them to you and help us to trust you with those things and watch how your hand will work. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.